Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Welcome to our special DTNS Electric Vehicle Roundtable show in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane. Oh, and I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. We get so many questions about electric vehicles or EVs that we decided to gather some EV experts and enthusiasts to tell us what their experiences are and what those of you curious about EVs should know before getting behind the wheel. Joining us today, host of the SMR podcast and Tesla driver, Rod Simmons. Welcome, Rod. Thank you, Tom. Allison Sheridan, host of NosillaCast, also a Tesla driver. Hey, Tom, how's it going? Uh, the host of the Kilowatt podcast, Bodie Grimm. Welcome, Bodie. Hi, guys. How are you doing? And uh, director of product at Internet Creations, avid photographer, music composer, just all-around groovy human, and an electric vehicle enthusiast, driver of a Hyundai Kona EV, Howard Yermish. Hello. Hey, Tom. How are you? Good to have you, Howard. All Thank right. You. Let's start right into it. What got you into an EV? Let's go around the horn, starting with you, Rod. So it's probably funny for me, but honestly, it really came down to at one point in time, I said, I no longer want to send my money out of the country. I no longer wanted to just continuously consume gas. So I got really crazy about it, started spreadsheet tracking my uh, driving and how much I was spending per mile for gas. And then I watched so many uh, people driving Teslas and road tripping. And I was like, I'm done. And I pulled the trigger. So that I think it ultimately came down to I wanted to be better for the environment. And I just... I got tired of just sending money overseas for buying gas and being, you know, summer, it's ridiculously high and winter when I'm not driving, it's, it's, you know, reasonable. So yeah, that's what drove me. Little, little environment, little cost. What about you, Allison? Well, uh, Rod told me to actually <laughs> is the, uh, <laughs> so, uh, it, to be, to be fair, it actually is Rod's fault. Uh, he specifically told me do not go drive a Tesla. And I'd been thinking about a Tesla since before the previous car I'd bought, but I look, I, you know, they originally said, Oh, it's going to be $35,000. And all of a sudden it was 70. And I was like, I'm out. But then by the time the, uh, my next car came around and Rod just told me not to go test drive it, 
I said, well, all right. So I went and I test drove a Model 3 and uh, and driving it is what made me buy that car. Um, but the tech behind it was a huge deal and uh, definitely the environment. But uh, but tech was a, a big thing in why I thought I wanted this car. And you both are two Tesla households now, right? You yes. Yeah, so I have. Oh, go ahead, Allison. Uh, so I've got the Model 3 and my husband Steve has the Model Y. We have a three and we have an X. So I, I have the Model X. Got it. Got it. Uh, Bodhi, what got you interested in electric vehicles? Well, it's it was definitely not the cost because when I started looking at these things, they were still, you know, starting at $60,000, which is way outside of my comfort zone for a car, even though that's what I'm going to spend now. But initially, I was like, I'm never going to spend $60,000 on a car. But it's really the tech. And then over time, as I uh, kept doing this podcast, it became more about the environment and then when you buy a car from a legacy auto automaker, it's yours and it's the same car you bought until you either sell it, wreck it or crush it. And Tesla's, they keep getting better and better and better over time. So just simple software updates. So that's really the reason why I'm getting a Tesla and that's kind of how I got into this whole thing. All right. Well, enough, enough from the Tesla folks, Howard. Come on. You got to represent. <laughs> uh, why, why'd you get into EVs? So I definitely was doing it uh, initially for the environment. I've always been kind of a car enthusiast. Um, and I had a good friend at work who got an early delivery Model 3. And on his first day with it, he was at the office and he said, I want you to drive this. And I was like, you just got this car. What are you going to let me drive your brand new car? And he's like, just drive it. And so I drove to lunch and I was like, I will be getting an electric car for my very next vehicle. It doesn't matter what it is. It was just such a better driving experience, the torque, anyone who has, you've all driven this, you know what I'm talking about. The torque on electric cars is like crazy. But then I did the math because, you know, we keep our cars for a long time. We're trying to get the most value out of it. And I just started doing the math and it was all cost driven. Once I did the actual math behind it, all the costs, tax credits, all of these things were all there. And I was like, I have a nine-year-old car. It's time for the next car. So it was time. And what brought you to Hyundai particularly? It's what I could get. So uh, the Teslas, when I priced it out for uh, where I am in New Jersey, uh, there weren't a lot of options in terms of what models were there. But the uh, the Teslas were almost $17,000 difference in cost for a similar range. And a lot of that was because the tax credit was gone when I was shopping. So there was no more Tesla tax credit. The full $7,500 is a lot of it. And the range of the Kona is comparable to the long range Model 3. And I was like, all right, well, that math took me from a $40,000 car to a $57,000 car. And I was like, I can't buy a $57,000 car. So uh, that's why I landed on Hyundai. That was kind of, that's what was left. It's a beautiful car. It really is. I, I definitely looked at that car when my my oldest son just recently started driving and I was looking at the Kona and it's, it is just a gorgeous vehicle uh from looking at it i've seen it go down the road many times seen it charging many times and i love the vehicle i know Bodie, what you're talking you... about with the oh, acceleration ahead, though that 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 is yeah i was very precise in my answer why i thought i was buying the car was the tech i would buy this car a hundred times just and and apparently any ev because of the low-end torque i mean it is just so freaking fun to drive what it's does that just get a blast you? what does that feel like to somebody who doesn't really understand the, i'll, I'll tell you what that gets you <laughs> So what it gets you is the feeling of an immature teenage driver. So what happens to me and this, I, I don't know if you all do this, but like I'm driving along, I'm in a little suburb area and 
coming right next to me, some like souped up Honda Civic shows up and it's loud and it's blasting its music and you're hearing it rev the engine over and over and over again. And I just get this little glint in my eye and then <laughs> the light changes and I hear their engine just roar. And then I just put my foot down very gracefully and I just take off like it was nothing. That felt and very I look personal the as a Civic like, driver, Howard, but I get it. No, that was, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I, I, there's uh, a lot of, it's just so fun. Sorry. There was a um uh one of my friends had one of the original Model S's and I had to borrow his car one day. And you know, and I had to kind of go a bit of a long distance and you know, it was all fine. Whatever. He said, "I'll watch you on my app. <laughs> Make sure you're not doing anything crazy." Um but this was you know, sort of early days of this and the the idea of not using the brake as much uh was a little bit weird to me at first, but I got used to it. But yes, the the sheer power of the car was like borderline frightening to me because I was like, I really can just blast off into outer space right now if I felt like it. So I wouldn't call it borderline. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but but, right. but it was, really I mean, it was breaking. What's that? You, that's a really good point about the braking. You, you literally can drive for days without braking in these yeah. cars. You just get I, used I, to it. I drive around without braking, and and I, I took my uh, other car in before I ever got a Tesla to uh, a place to just get a tire fixed, and the guy there was doing a brake job on a Model S, and he said it was the first brake job he'd ever gotten to do, and the guy had like 75,000 miles on the car. Wow. Yeah, I'm approaching 80,000, and my brakes are, I think when I had them checked a year ago, they said they were at like 90%, you're fine, I don't need to change them. Now, Allison, she has the performance model, like my wife, and that car is insanely powerful. And so if you take away the kid's grin that uh, Howard was talking about, because it is fun, um, I think part of it is you know where – if you see where you want to go, that car will always get you there. So there's there's never the concern like you're merging on the highway, the lane is ending, can I make it over? You just put your foot down and you can get to any space you want in that car. So I think even though it's super fast, there's a there's a safety element to the fact that – you're never worried about whether you can get out of the way of something or get into a spot you want to get into from an acceleration. And it's, there's a grin. I, I don't care who you are when you're driving any electric car and you put it down. It's just that instant response. It is, it's insane. It's so fun. I do this thing when I get into my wife's car, which is a Honda CRV gas car. And I like, the first thing I do is I say, not an electric car, not an electric car <laughs> because you have to readjust after you've been driving an all electric car, yeah. your brain just likes it better. And everything from the one pedal driving that Allison was discussing, um, and just the, the noise in the car. I mean, the CRV is a beautiful car. It's very quiet. It's very reliable. It does all these things. And it is just like pedestrian compared to an electric Bef car. Before Steve got the model Y, he still had his, uh, RDX, which is a fabulous car. And, I had to drive the dog in it to the vet once and I was scared. I, I was really uncomfortable driving it. I didn't, I, I just felt like it was, uh, it, it's like driving a, a truck versus a boat. I mean, they're not even the same type of vehicle. So, and Al, I don't know, I don't know about the Kona, but have you like, since driving your car so much, have you gotten out of a, a regular gas car, went inside, came back out and said, oh my gosh, I left this thing running. I haven't had that chance, but a friend of mine told me you did that. Yeah, it is with the Tesla. The one thing nice is that there's no on off. You put your foot on the brake, the car comes to life, ready to go. You park in. Honestly, I don't even put my car in park anymore. I just right. 
pull in, stop, and get out of the car because as soon as you open the door, it's like, all right, you want to be in park, and it drops it in park. And once you develop those really bad habits, they're hard to break when you get another vehicle. I'm imagining the Kona might be very similar. The Kona does have a push button start and it will bug you if you get out of the car with it off or excuse me, with it still running, which I definitely have done because there's very little difference in the sound. I like park in my driveway, get start to get out and it says like, hello, you're still on. It literally beeps as you as the key starts to leave the car. Uh, thank goodness. But um, and usually I run into this problem when I'm going to charge the car because I'm still thinking like, oh, I've got to plug it in and, and no big deal. Yeah. But uh, it's definitely uh, it's not as tech forward as the Teslas are. It's more like if you didn't know it was an electric car and you got in, you'd go, oh, this is a little different. And then it would become apparent. But there's got to so, there's got to be something that EV drivers miss about gas powered cars. Bodie helped me out. You're, you're living in both worlds over there. Like, is, is there anything about a gas powered car? That's good. I can't wait to get rid of my gas powered car. <laughs> like there's nothing that I like, like my, uh, CX nine is 10 years old and it's a good car. It's got a little about less than a hundred thousand miles on it, but it is, it is not the same as driving, uh, like a model Y performance. Tesla gave me a model Y performance to drive around for a little bit. And, uh, like my, just like Allison and Rod were saying, like we'd be on the freeway or getting onto the freeway, we would stop. It'd be kind of like early in the morning or late at night. My kids would be in the back and they'd be like, okay. <laughs> and we get this whole routine where they put their bat, their heads against the back of the seat. Mm. And then we just launch that performance down onto the on-ramp. And, uh, yeah, you could, you could put that thing through the eye of a needle when you, when you get on it, you it, know, you, uh, you bring shift, up putting shape, your shape shifts. You bring it up, bring put your head back, Bodie. Uh, I showed off the acceleration to a friend of mine, uh, which I do often. I tell people, put your head back and where I'm going to punch it. Except in this one drive, I did it twice. I had a headache for the rest of the day. It yeah. was it was terrifying. So there you go. That's but the I, downside. I do, <laughs> yeah, no, I do, I do have an answer to it, Tom. Right. I have an answer to it. My, my buddy Ron that uh, has a Tesla Model S told me one thing to be really, really afraid of. When you're driving in a parking lot, chant to yourself they can't hear me mm -hmm. they can't hear me they because people will be walking along beside you and like just slightly in front and they'll just suddenly walk right in front of the car so you have to be really aware of that because they literally can't hear you yeah and, i found that true on hybrids because yeah. at yeah. low power yeah. in parking lots yeah. you, the gas engine would just cut off and you'd be entirely on electric yeah I had that exact situation in my neighborhood. I had actually stopped at a stop sign and someone walked into my stopped car. They were oh. crossing in front of it. They just didn't even notice that I had come there. They just oh, walked right into it down. and they I, yelled that at might, me. That person might have been me. <laughs> they, it might have been. But it was I've, funny I've done this before where I'm like, yeah, well, where'd you come from? <laughs> You know, like, little heads up would be nice. <laughs> All right. So I think we may have convinced uh, prospective EV fans out there uh, of the power and the enjoyment and the driver drivability. Uh, but one thing everybody always brings up when they're when they're talking about it is the charging. Uh, and the first thing I remind people is don't forget you're always fueling up at home, right? Because when you have it at home, you can plug in. What other charging realities do you have to deal with because you know everybody's used to the rhythm of stop at the gas station you know when you get to the part of the tank that you're uncomfortable with and fill it up but with electric vehicles charging stations are different spaces they're not all in the same uh way that gas stations are uh how, how do you all deal with that so i'll start because 
now that you say that, I can think of one negative of being a Tesla owner. And it's um, <clears throat> so there's this beautiful thing when you go fill up a car with gas and it's a canopy over your head when it's raining. Superchargers don't have those, at least not out on the East Coast. So and I've had a number of road trips where it's like just torrential rainstorms. You pull into the supercharger, you're looking out, you're like, this is going to suck. And you cannot get out, pull the charger off, plug it into your car and get in fast enough. But I think the reality for most people with road tripping is they have to get comfortable with the the range on the vehicle and that driving part. Because it's the car tells you where to go. It tells you if you need to slow down. It handles all of that for you. And, I, and that holds true for like the Kona. I'm imagining Electrify America Network show it for you and tell you where to go. That's the like that's not the hard part. It's just it's really getting comfortable that I trust the vehicle. It's telling me where to go. Trust the vehicle. And that is the hardest thing to get over, especially if you see your range dropping. Like I mean, I've had Allison text me when she was on her first road trip and it's like, oh my gosh, this thing, the, the numbers are all over the map. But that's probably the hardest thing to get used to. I want to add to what he said because um I do it wrong because we don't go on many road trips. We drive to Fresno and back, or we used to in the in the before times. And what I what I did coming back from Fresno was I I went to the supercharger and I charged it to a hundred percent before we left, and then we drove until we got to where it was like at, at I don't know sixty percent, and then we sat there for an hour and a half and charged it to a hundred percent, and then we then we were low again, and so we sat for an hour and a half and we charged it to a hundred percent. Well, above about sixty to seventy percent on this kind a battery is the least efficient charging you can do. What you want to do is run it way down and then charge it to like half. So I, after 72 different text messages and trips with Rod, he said, no, just, just stop for like 20 minute bursts. You're, you're completely destroyed. So it took us like three and a half hours longer to get home from Fresno because I was doing it wrong. But how do you know that if you don't have a rod to tell you? Well, and why is that the case? Why, why does the amount of battery matter in this case to, to get you farther? It's just the on, physics on of the batteries. Trip. It's mm. just physics of batteries is that the first 60% is, is linear and then it starts to roll off that every minute you spend gets you less and less charge above about 60 to 70%. Yeah, what they, what they try to do is they try to conserve the batter, battery for as long as possible. And you can charge it really fast if it's low. So when you go to you decide you're going to go to a supercharger you plug it in the car knows that you're going to be going to the supercharger so it starts preconditioning your batteries so when you get there your batteries are already warmed up even if it's cold outside your battery's warmed up and ready to take the charge so that's why like most people keep their battery like 80 percent or whatever so they're they're increasing the longevity of that battery yeah and the other thing that you if you look at charging and it doesn't matter what vehicle i imagine the cone is the same way 10% to roughly 70, pushing 80%, that's your sweet spot of charging. So I'm, I had a recent experience where we pulled in and I wasn't anticipating the ice rain that came and we pulled in and my son was, what percentage are we at? I was like, zero. <laughs> and that's not really good. Like, so I'm, I'm parking and we, we made it where we needed to go. But as I plugged in, that first 10% was very slow. So again, you want to arrive at around 10% because that's your sweet spot for your low end. You get the fastest charging speed, no matter what charger you're plugging into. And then you start to slow down around 80. So if you know that you can unplug at 75% and book it to the next supercharger or the next charging stop and around 10%, 
then just unplug and go. Don't go to 100. Like it's it's one of those things you do have to learn because that last 20% takes as long as the first uh, like 70%. Yeah, because it's real. I mean, as a as as a, uh, a gas guzzling vehicle driver, I mean, I I can't tell you how many times people go, Sarah, just fill up your gas when you get to halfway. Don't ever let it go under that. Why do you do this? Why do you do this to yourself? <laughs> right? And to me, I'm like, it's just it's all the same. You know, I'm living I, on the edge, people. I, yes, when I when I if I run out, I run out, and that's my bad. But it's all the same. So yeah, it's it's, it's sort of a little equation. You just have to you have to you have to feel it out. You do feel I, alive when that gas lights on, though, right? Like where you're like, <laughs> I, I can. I'm not going to that station. I'm going to the next one. I know I no. can make it further. So. Oh yeah. No. Was, no. Yeah, just, Especially just when it's under the E. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So I did a uh, blog post I dropped in the show notes there, Tom, uh, called uh, Tesla Tech. How long does it take to charge? Because that, that's what everybody asks, and it, it's an incredibly complex question with 48 different parameters to answer that question. And I tried to go through all the different ones to try to f how you calculate how long it's going to take. But in reality, I think I think one of the problems with the uh, with the Tesla is it tells you a number. It says. Allison, you paid for a car that could go 320 miles. I can't go 320 miles in this car. Not ever, ever, ever. In fact, I often get way, way less than that. But when you look at your car and it says it's got 26 miles to the gallon, do you really expect to get 26 miles to the gallon? No. And you look at the gas tank, you know that's not right. But after a while, you get a feel for how far you can go. And so I keep looking at that as a literal answer to the question. And it is not a little literal answer because it depends on headwinds and it depends on how it, how big the tires are that you put on your car. Steve put on uh, uh, different tires with different wheels and that changed his gas, his gas mileage, his mileage on his vehicle. So the range anxiety, I think it's real. Well, so you mentioned that you can't get, what, 326 um, miles uh, on a full charge, which was what was uh, described to you. What can you get? It depends. <laughs> on yeah. on you know, wind and things like that. Which, but okay, but like, if I'm but going over let's, the let's say line. all of the things are working correctly. Like how far can you go before you're in trouble? But it's not correctly or incorrectly, Sarah. It's if I'm going over the grapevine, that's going to dramatically change it, just like it would change it in a car, in a gas car. Sure. Right, because you got to go up the mountain, and then you get to. So when I'm going downhill, a big man, tall mountain outside of Los Angeles for anybody outside the California area it doesn't. Understand. Yeah, or yeah. I guess, Vegas, I guess, I guess, my question phrased too. differently is: How far have you been able to go on a single charge? Hmm. I want to say it was like two eighty something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you're but you're definitely you know, stopping it, on a road trip. If it's cold, it's worse because batteries don't do as well in the cold. Um, if, in fact, if you get a battery to zero, uh, it doesn't charge at all. That's why it heats up. Like what Bodhi was talking about. Yeah. You also have to, like, I think as you start to think about, um, what Allison is saying is if you stop, like you're thinking so focused on, I'm not getting my EPA mileage. Well, they usually test that on a perfect road at 55 miles an hour. No one gets the EPA mileage when they, when they drive a car, any car off the lot, but with an electric car, I always say, Trust the car, get in, hit drive, tell it where you're going, hit drive, and it'll tell you where to stop. And it, it, once you stop thinking about anything else and saying, all you want to do is not run out, trust the car. It, it will not, I, I've never run out. And I've come in at 1%, but it was telling me, stop early to charge. I've come in at zero and it said, stop early to charge. I was like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. So just trust the car. Well, you, you've fine. also had it told you, tell you to slow down. 
because you oh, were yeah. going 70 miles an hour and it said, yeah, you know, you're not actually going to make it home. So slow down to 65, 60. Uh, Rod, don't do what you're going to have to go 55. Yeah, don't listen to Rod. Rod can't yeah. drive 55. I know that. Uh, so, so what about chargers? I think that's the other question a lot of people have is how many chargers are out there? If it's telling me, you know, charge within the next 30 miles, am I likely to find a charger in the next 30 miles? It depends on where you are. If you're in San Francisco, yes. If you're in Alaska, no. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, so I always say that you're usually no well before, like I've left my house where I told it this is the charger. I've been to this charger many times, leaving at 100%, and it'll say stop at this charger to make or go at this this speed. And I'm I'm like I, I'm 20 miles in the trip. You're already telling me to slow down. This is crazy, but it knows that early, so you're never finding out last second. And when it tells me to slow down, I probably have eight chargers between there and where I'm, I ideally want to get to. So I don't think you usually find that out late. But um, my tip is I always say uh, if you PlugShare is a fantastic app to have access to. Um, EVgo is another fantastic app. I would imagine if you're non-Tesla, Electrify America, and then I just rely on the Tesla network. But there, there's always options. It's just you have to be diligent and willing to look. And you yeah, have to have uh, the, the proper cables. Like if you can go to a yeah. third-party network, uh, charging network, but you need to make sure you have the proper cables in the back of your, your trunk, which can cost a lot of money. It like could be $400 into one cable. Yes. Ooh, I didn't spend that kind of money. That's yeah, the different the standards. One. I see how we're nodding. We bought, we bought six of them. I think it's interesting because the Kona uses the CCS chargers, so those are the standard cables that Tesla owners they are the they're getting adapters to go onto like an EVgo or Electrify America. So for me, I what I basically do is somewhere between twenty percent and eighty percent is where I like to keep it. Um, a typical long drive, which I might do a couple days a year would be like for me to go from the Philadelphia area up to Boston. And that's a really good sort of metric because technically I can start at hundred percent drive into my sister's backyard at 1%. Like I could get there. Just but neutrinos left <laughs> with, with just barely enough left. But then the problem is I can't do anything once I'm there because she doesn't have a charger like I have in my garage. So realistically, it's just the night before any long trip. All I do is I go, okay, this is what my route looks like. Where are the chargers? That's all I need to know because I know that it's like, I'm going to be hungry for lunch at 11. Is there a charger around 11 in the morning if I leave? Sure. It's right about there. Great. I'll eat lunch there. That's really it. But for literally 350 of 365 days, I don't even think about charging because it's because the only place I ever charge is in my driveway. Yeah, the last 365, I can tell you, I'm definitely not worried about this. But but one more thing I wanted to add, I know we're out of time on this topic, but um, is that the speed that you charge is is de- dependent on the rating of the charger, too. So the rate that I charge at home is about 35 miles per hour, which sounds like a funny metric, but it's I gain 35 miles for one hour of charge. Uh, when I'm at a Tesla supercharger, what are they, Rod? Like 500, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, at the low you. end of the curve, it's 500 miles per hour that it's charging. So you can charge very, very quickly. Um, if you stop at a at a hotel and they've got a little EV charger, it might be, again, back to 35, 50 miles per hour. So it, it does depend. And that's why superchargers are super, super important to us, <laughs> pun intended, that we can get that charge so much more quickly. 
Well, folks, uh, it's because of patrons uh, that we do Daily Tech News Show. We love the patrons that stick with us. That's why we're happy to offer Patreon loyalty rewards. You can get a unique sticker, mug, T-shirt, or hoodie every three months as long as you stay a patron at a certain level. Each one has a unique piece of art from Len Peralta featuring the DTNS seven-year anniversary logo, as well as Roger, Sarah, and myself. Get the details at patreon.com slash DTNS. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. All right, so we talked a lot about charging and chargers and, and even cables and being able to use different chargers in different systems. But let's talk economics. How much does this cost? Uh, even if I'm just plugging in at home, uh, it's going to be running up my electricity bill more than it would have if I didn't plug it in. How does it compare to buying gas? It's- Steve just did a, a spreadsheet on that uh, for gas and electricity prices in California compared to the average EPA rating for cars, SUVs, and light-duty pickups, which is 26 miles per gallon in 2021. The cost for us to charge at home is about a third of what it would be for gas. Um, one day ago, Tesla's, Tesla just cut the nighttime supercharging costs in California to try and encourage people to charge at night to half of what it's costing me at home. So that'd be like a sixth, uh, but in general, about a third to charge at home versus charging uh, or uh, versus gas. My my oldest has, and her boyfriend, they have a standard range uh, Model 3, and I called them before the show, and they told me they've never spent more than $10 filling the char- charging the vehicle at a Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? They found it for What about- am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing months, with I this SUV of mine? Wow. Yeah, because that, that, that was always my question. I mean, as a lifetime renter, I just am at the mercy of, I don't know, is there a charger even in the carport that might be afforded to me, you know, at wherever I'm living kind of thing. But more than that, yeah, what's it going to cost? 
And if that was something that I used, would that be something I have to talk to my landlord about? And you know, how, how is that going to factor into my rent kind of thing? I was, I was under the impression that it was a lot more than that. So I, I know think- an apartment complex is probably a lot harder. I, I can tell you in, on the East coast, we don't pay nearly what you guys pay for electricity. So if I were to charge or gas, my, yeah, yeah. So if <laughs> yeah. I charge my vehicle from dead empty, which it never is to all the way full, it's about $6 and 75 cents. Um, so I roughly estimate that two times a month I, I'm doing almost a full cycle of the battery charging. So somewhere around $15, 13 to $15 I'm paying per month. And before I was paying $300 a month. So it's a massive savings for me. Wow. Yeah. When I was, when I was in the market, um, I had a really good, like, I think everybody buying an EV is like having spreadsheets everywhere because you have to <laughs> look at that initial cost of the car and then figure out what it's going to save. And the math that I did for the driving that I was doing was I was spending $225 a month in gasoline. And this is in New Jersey, not crazy expensive gas, reasonable. And I cut that $225 a month to $37 a month for electricity. Wow. So when you start, and this was the math, I remember showing this to my wife and she's like, oh, I guess that's okay then. Um, when you do the math and I showed her $190 a month for the life of the car and we keep our cars for 10 years. And so in eight years, that was $18,000, which was way like that difference in, in cost is so much like it totally negates the difference in price between the electric car and the gas car. So it's like it's the first year owning that electric car sounds really expensive. The fifth year owning that electric car, you are just like rolling in money at that point. So it's funny because you did the spreadsheet, you showed her the gas station. She's like, that makes sense. You're like, wait a second. I still want to show you no oil changes, no this, no that. <laughs> I, I got a list of things I could tell you I'm saving on. I actually like, saved that for a later argument. <laughs> <laughs> my problem was my husband was buying me going, buy it, buy it, buy it. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were having to, to play the other end of that. You're playing. It sounds like you're having to play both ends of that, actually. Yeah. Uh, what, yeah. What you, when you mentioned oil changes there, Rod, like what are the maintenance differences uh, on an electric vehicle versus an, what they call an ICE car, an internal combustion engine. So I'm, I'm like, like I said, roughly 80,000 miles into my vehicle. And now you know all my maintenance I've done on it. <laughs> That's it. I, I haven't done anything. I, I, oh, sorry. I put tires on the vehicle. I apologize. Okay. Yes. So you got to replace the tires. That's, that's even, yeah. right? That's, that's normal. Uh, doesn't, that's it. that's that doesn't change. Done. What about, I don't know, greasing it up. Any, nothing, nothing like that. So. I'd on the Kona, point. the first thing, every, what they say is re- rotate the tires every 5,000 miles. So like it's a great little service interval that I that I brought in here. Everything just says inspect. There's no actual thing. So every 15,000 miles, you know that little air filter for your heating and cooling system? <laughs> They're like, you should replace it every 15,000 miles. Well, it's a $9 part and I can do it myself. And the funny Don't thing is- your windshield wiper fluid. Windshield Don't wiper fluid. I have that. to do that. The only service interval is at 120,000 miles. There's this uh, reduction gear fluid that they want you to change. And it's so funny because like when I've, the one time I took my car in to the dealer to have them just do their complimentary inspection where they rotated the tires, which was great. Um, I asked them if anyone had ever, if they'd ever done a brake job on an electric car and they said, no, your brakes look new. Like literally, like, do you use them? So it's it's pretty crazy. Now, yeah, we talked about that earlier. The 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 idea that you don't have to use the brakes as much. Uh, why is that? It's the uh, one pedal driving, and it's part of that is braking. yeah, regenerative braking just slows the car down. I actually think it's safer to drive because when you take your foot off the power, 
the car starts to slow down, which means a instead lot. of taking your foot off the power and then switching to a brake pedal where the car is still going forward, now, as you're I slowing that, down. That's because there, there's, there's internal mechanisms that are using the slowdown, the coasting to charge the battery? Yes, correct. that's correct. And so that and just acts couple, as a brake itself, kind of. It does. Right. And I if you couple that with full self-driving, there's almost no need. I got to drive the uh, EV1 prototype that uh, when I worked for a company that was owned by General Motors, and uh, they actually had a little dial where you could change the regenerator braking, and and it, that was the first time I ever got to play with that to see how you could affect that that you could slow down. But uh, Howard, you're, you're spot on. I think about that in an emergency situation. I will be able to brake faster than anybody else in a in a gas car because the instant I take my foot off the accelerator, that's that car is slowing down, and not slowing down a little bit. It's slowing down a lot yeah but you've forgotten how to use the brake allison well there's that i didn't it. know there was one you forgot yeah, it was there <laughs> but back on the on the stuff on the the maintenance i did a post because one day i just realized what isn't in my car i mean if you think about there's no starter there's no there's no gears there's it's there's not a there's no transmission there's no torque converter uh you know there there is there's there's a motor but there's no pistons, there's no spark plugs, there's no well, crankshaft. There gears we, going from the motor to the to the axles, right? The motors are on the, they're yeah, basically. the motors are on the axles. The motor's right on the axle. There really isn't anything. So it's the motor's directly, directly turning the ever. axle in an electric vehicle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no gas tank, there's no fuel pump, no fuel injectors. I mean, I mean there's, there's no kind of fluids like cooling the engine. There's no there's no fan belt there, you know, when you just look, there's no muffler, there's, there's no tailpipe. When you look underneath the car, all you see is one giant battery. That's all there is. And uh, there actually, there is a 12 volt battery hidden under the, um, if you go in through the frunk, when you open the the hood of a, of a uh, Tesla there, and I assume on, on the, uh, on your car too, Howard, it's, it's another trunk in the front and, but there's a panel you can pop off and there's a, um, there's a battery there and that's for some emergency stuff just in case the, uh, if everything, I mean, it is what my father always called everybody goes when the whistle blows. If that battery were to fail, you're just kind of sitting there. Well, and that's, I mean, I think that's the big question, right? By the way, I love the term frunk. <laughs> First time <laughs> I've heard it. It's a good one. Uh, is, is yeah. What happens if that battery needs to be replaced? I mean, what are we talking? Because I've done that another seventy-five thousand dollars. The, yeah, the big battery, battery is, is expensive. The twelve-volt battery is not. That no, much. the big battery. Oh, you mean the big battery? So, yeah, yeah, that's that's expensive. Yeah. But you have warranties on those. So I, I, so while we were talking here, I did pull up. So my car maintenance is cabin air filter after two years. Uh, that must have been done when I did a routine service. Um, the I have the big HEPA filter, so that's actually three years. Tire rotation, brake fluid every two, um, and then air conditioning. Conditioning two, uh, and then for if you're a winter, winter bad winter area, uh, you want to uh, oil your and lubricate your brake calipers. That's a that's that's the maintenance. So it's just it's not really crazy bad for maintenance. But since Allison brought up the frunk, that's a probably another thing that I never consider because my vehicle that I have now, the X, is smaller than my Land Cruiser I had, but I can pack more in because of the front trunk and that lower trunk that you get in the back of the car. Because like you have like you get to the back of your car, you lift up and you're like. 
there's so much more storage space where you can drop a suitcase, <laughs> a suitcase in there and other things. So I, I don't know if you guys are the same experience is that the storage isn't crazy. And I know it, Bodie is probably thinking, wait till you see my vehicle. And I have uh, <laughs> that massive storage bay in the back of it and towing. So uh, but th- for me, the um, the storage in the vehicle is also another amazing element. I do want to give specifics on the worry about the big battery. The uh, Tesla battery warranty is eight years. So mm. you aren't paying for it in eight years. And it's funny uh, that it, so they rate it as it'll be at least 70 percent capacity in eight years. So you'll be able to go at least 70 percent as far as you could when it was new. And the the number of miles is different depending on mile uh, model, which is kind of funny. It's either between 100 and 150,000 miles, depending on which model you buy. Yeah, the Kona's got a 10-year warranty on its battery, similar kind of thing where they're just like, all right, if it if it goes beyond a certain point, and I can't remember if it was, um, I think it's 80% capacity before they'll warranty it. Um, okay. So it's, it, but it's the kind of thing where I'm not really worried about it because chances are in eight or nine years, I'll be on to the next car. So You might want to wonder if you're buying a used eight-year-old uh, Tesla. Yes. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and the warranty actually states it's original owner only. So no. if you do sell it, the, the I, ch- I checked that in the Hyundai. If you do sell it, it's not warrantied at that point for so you. So something about buying a used electric vehicle to note is you might want to bargain for a warranty on the battery. Maybe a shorter term, but you might want to try to get that from who's selling it to you. Yeah, right. Uh, Consumer Reports says that the batteries are designed to go about 20,000 or 200,000 miles, excuse me. And they say that's 20 years of driving and... Um, maybe, I mean, depends on how much you drive, but Tesla right now, it kind of depends on like the systems that are supporting the battery and the tech and the quality of the battery pack. Right. So if you get a low cost, like more affordable EV that they didn't put the work in for the battery and the systems, uh, maintaining the battery, you may not get anywhere close to 200,000 miles versus right now, like Tesla's working on the million mile battery. Tesla uses and other companies, I'm sure Hyundai does, super cap they use super excuse me, super capacitors. And that stores the energy. So when you do those really cool launches, it that doesn't hit your battery, because if it hit your battery, your battery would life would just deteriorate. So they use these super super capacitors that store the energy. And then when you accelerate, it takes energy from the super capacitor, not from your battery. And Tesla just bought a company last year that that does this stuff. Bodie, maybe you know the answer to this question. Um, I've been told that if you charge on a supercharger all the time, that you're actually diminishing the battery life. Is that true? I, I actually do not know that. I mean, I'm going to imagine if you're hitting that battery nice and getting it hot every time you charge, probably. Like uh, my oldest and her boyfriend, they're just traveling the country because, you know, they can work from anywhere now. So they don't, that's the, the only place they charge are destination chargers and superchargers. So, so I, I can jump in and help out there. So there is a magic number of, and this is any battery of DC fast charging that you're allowed to do before most um, manufacturers will actually start to slow down your charge so that you don't ruin your battery. Tesla has that as well. You'll often see like if you do like any Google searches or watch videos where people are saying super like really slow supercharging speed, I can't get over this, and they'll find out that they've been capped. So the battery could continue to accept it, but Tesla has immediately started to slow down your uh, supercharging speed because you've gone over a certain number of charges. Really? You mean yes. so? So five years into my car, all of a sudden, I wouldn't be able to. Or no, no, you no. within a given time uh, period. 
a given number of DC fast charges. So if you charge at home every day and then go to a supercharger, you're not talking about that, but you're so, it's, if you were a supercharger every single day, every single charge, at some point in time, you won't be able to get that ridiculously fast speed you get today. It'll oh. be capped at how fast it'll go. But if you charge at home all the time, the same number of times, and then once in a while go to a supercharger, it doesn't impact you. It's only DC fast charging. So there is a point in time where you you reach that cap. And it's a number of podcasts like, uh, I think it's uh, Kim Java or used to be called Like Tesla. She's talked about it. Um, uh, Bourne has talked about it. A number of uh, Tesla podcasters have talked about that cap that you kind of reach on the DC fast charging. But like like you said, that's all batteries. So you don't want to yes. always fast charge your cell phone, for example. Yeah, exactly. It's the same technology. Yeah. And oh, so that reminds me of what you said. When anyone ever asked me, how long does it take to charge? I always ask, how long does it take to charge your cell phone? And they look at me like I'm stupid. I'm like, yeah, because it depends on how where it is. It depends on this, but that. I was like, how long it takes is I plug it in before I go to bed and I wake up, it's full. That's how my car works. <laughs> so when you start thinking of it that way, it's like I plug it in at night and magically it's ready to go in the morning. Yeah. For day to day life, it's better than a gas car. Is is yeah. Way better. Yeah. yeah. Because you don't have to think oh, in the morning like, oh, crap, I have to hit the gas station today on my way to work. Yeah, I gas stopped stations at home. appreciating that, but when I first got it, it really stood out to me that I would just come home and go, oh, look, let me fill my tank. And I went, deek, and walked in the car and I, in the house and I was done. I also like that you can tell it, I don't, I want you to be, I want you to charge it at night in off-peak hours. So you can tell the car, I want to be ready to leave at 8 a.m. and it'll charge during the night. It'll charge just to be ready right when you want to leave. You know, what yes. about renters? Sarah mentioned that earlier. Uh, and, and I know there are, there are some things you can do with an electric car short of getting your landlord to install anything. Are, what are those options? This is actually something that I had to look up for a friend of mine that was interested in it. And the solution that we had was she had access to a dryer. And the dryer uses the same plug that you can buy a standard charger with. So all she did was she bought a charger, not one that you would mount on the wall, just like a cable one. Um, and she unplugs the dryer, plugs in the thing, runs the cable out to the car, and she's fine. And that's the kind of thing where when I think about that, it's it's just a simple solution. And no one's going to say, hey, you're drying your clothes way too much, except that that car is going to eat way more than that dryer is ever going to do because most of the time the dryer is not on. So... But that was a really simple way to handle it where she didn't even have to ask her landlord. She just has a higher power. But her landlord probably noticed the electric bill. Well, if the landlord's paying the electric bill, it's a whole different situation. It's a good point. I've, yeah. I've almost and, never in lived fact, in that situation. Howard, I'm pretty sure that you sent us an email about this on DTNS some <laughs> time ago because I'm like, yeah. I and I, at the time, I was like, the place that I was living, I was like, that would just not fly because I'm <laughs> sharing the washer and dryer with other tenants. And wouldn't that be just so weird that like, right, right. Sarah's charging her car? car. You can't, you, you know, use the laundry facilities. It just, it totally depends on where you are. But yep. where I live now, I, I'm helping manage an Airbnb and boy, you wouldn't believe how many EV drivers we have here. And there have been a couple times where I don't even know how they do it, but someone comes and says, well, do you have charging cables for my car, for my Tesla? And I'm like, no, I don't. We don't have, we have like a plug over in the tool shed you can use, but that's about all I can give would that, you. Would that even work? The plug over in the tool shed? Yeah. 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 Just slowly. Just slowly. Just slowly. Like very, very slow. Five to eight miles or something yeah. like that. Gets you. Five to eight. Right. Yeah. But, but I mean, it, it more and more has become a thing where I'm like, 
maybe we should just get some backup cables here. It's because more and more it's something that people need or, or the cable's not long enough or who, who even knows what's going on. But, but it, it, at an amenity that it has become something that's necessary more than like some like novelty thing that only one person a year will need a lot of people yeah so it's it's not just that outlet so if it's the regular 110 outlet that's going to be real slow uh that's the five date that Bodhi was quoting but if you want to be able to let them charge at maybe a more reasonable speed you're going to need a, a a 220 line to do that and so that's you know that would be a cost, but then you and then you get up to like thirty five. But if if it's the if it's the five to eight miles overnight, that's like sixty miles. You've got enough charge to get yourself someplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're not, yeah, it's just it's just something to think about, right? So you know, once you once you, once you get to your destination, it's like okay, <laughs> do I have charging options? You know, at home, sure, but where I'm going, like I think you mentioned Howard going to your sister's house. It's like you gotta you gotta think about that. Yeah, it's a small part of the planning. So um, bef I have a house in South Carolina. Before, when I would go there and didn't, didn't have charging at the house, I knew where the supercharger was, and I would always map out. I'd say, okay, I'm going here. i plug up plug share, and I'd say, here where some regular slow charges are. I know where the supercharger is. So if I didn't want to go that far, I could go to a regular charger and charge. So you kind of plan your trips out. And um, I went up to New I've gone up to New Hampshire from Maryland area, and no big deal. And I just figure out where are the chargers. And the probably the most important part is, if I know the hotel I'm staying at, I try to make sure that they have charging or just something, even if it's just a wall outlet. Because if you're parking your vehicle, even overnight or for like ten hours, for me it's only thirty. It's only thirty miles. But if you do that for if you park it for twenty four hours, it's it's a pretty big jump on the vehicle. So I'd say it's it's a little bit of planning of saying I just want to know where quote, there's a gas station near where I'm going. Mm -hmm. And it's you pull up the plugs you're at, put in the address, and they'll say, here's everything near you. Now, but Sarah, you, you, you bring have, up... Oh, sorry, Allison, go ahead. I just want to get back to what Sarah said. If you're if you're running an Airbnb or a, a VRBO kind of a place, you remember in the old days, we used to look for places that had Wi-Fi. You would, you would always sort by, yeah. do they have Wi-Fi? That was a differentiator. I bet a differentiator today would be, I've got 220. You know, you could say, well, great you know, for electric funny vehicle. is that we do have it, but it's in my studio, Redwood. <laughs> nobody's running their cables into here. So it's sort of a thing where I'm like, secretly, I could help you if we really got to that point. <laughs> but I'd like to avoid it if possible. <laughs> so get, get a couple more questions before we wrap up here. First of all, we, we talked about the fact that you probably aren't going to have to change that, that drive battery uh, for a long time. It's warrantied if you do. But if you keep your car for eight, 10 years and you hit that point, how much does that cost? So I think the the magic number they're, they're touting is some people say $150 a kilowatt, some say $125, and I know the, the magic goal is $100 a kilowatt. So assuming that you're having to work with something eight years down the road, assume that you'll be at $100 a kilowatt and then just do the multiplication for your size of your battery. So Mine's a uh, 75 kilowatt battery times $100 a kilowatt, 7,500 bucks. Moving on with life, like yeah. that's that's your cost. And for an engine rebuild or an engine replacement, that's probably what you're talking on a vehicle. Um, so it's not uh, actually a rebuild would be different, but a, a replacement of an engine, you're probably talking four or five grand on a, a decent engine on a high end vehicle. So and remember, uh, that that's would give you a general today. idea. That's, that's the cost yeah, that's today, today that he's doing. So eight, 10 years from now, I would hope that battery technology's gotten more efficient and you could do better than that. 
Yeah, and there have been a lot of examples of people who bought Leafs from like 2010, 2011, who've put in more modern batteries, and they went from a car that got like 75, 80 miles of range, and now they're getting 140 miles of range because they're able to have higher battery density. And so it's like, it might be worth it. The cars are really simple. There isn't much that goes bad with an eight-year-old car. So if realistically the only, if the only maintenance you have to do to the car is a $7,500 repair one time that you plan for, and then you'll keep it for another eight years, it, it, it gets very compelling, especially if that car keeps getting software upgrades as the Teslas do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the nice thing about the Leafs, right? If you want to dip your toe into EVs, you can buy a Leaf for like $6,000. Like they, are, they have no resale value whatsoever. Once you buy it, <laughs> It's practically worth nothing. However, if you're looking to buy a used one just to dip your toe in because maybe you only drive 30 or 40 miles a day and you can charge at home, it's a great purchase. I tried to get my father-in-law into one when he was looking at towing one behind an RV. Is an electric vehicle more likely to get stolen off the street? I mean, that's something I think about when I pick a car. Is like I, I want it to be the least juicy target uh, when I'm parked in any particular neighborhood. I was hoping somebody else could answer, how would you steal an EV. I mean, you can't hotwire it. They, they've had uh, videos, sh- videos, right? Like people testing where uh, someone's pressed the little key fob on their Tesla and they're able to record that, that in exchange. And then from there, they were able to get into the car. But that's not really I don't have something a key fob, that I think that's happened Bodie. in real life. Well, in, well, in the Model 3, this was Model S, Model X type Model stuff. X, yeah. one, of, one of them... One, Oh, as I was about to say, one of the fastest way that they typically steal a cars, whether it's gas or an EV, is they have a flatbed truck, and they <laughs> even if it, even if it's locked, no, they have these. You put you put casters under the wheels, you roll it in, you lock down, and then you deal with how to get in and start it up somewhere else where somewhere you just yeah. where so you think, get it on the road. So that in answering Tom's question, that would not make the most likely car to be stolen if they have to roll up a flatbed to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. And even then, it's it's hard to tow them, apparently, is, is something I've heard. So not not none of this is impossible, right? Any Anything yes. that's got a computer on it can be hacked. Uh, uh, it's, it's just a matter of difficulty. So maybe that's the answer is like right now, anyway, the electric vehicle is the least likely target because it's one of the harder ones to get into. Is that fair? I think that's fair. Maybe. One of the biggest things, though, if you're like you're like a target for people who want to exact their revenge because they hate Tesla, or <laughs> for whatever reason, right? That doesn't like one affect of the Howard, concerns, though. No, that does not affect Howard. No, uh, but one of the things I'm concerned about with uh, getting the Cybertruck is I don't want people throwing rocks at my window. I don't want the people hitting my truck with a baseball bat, and I know they're going to try. Like the guys that I work with are going to try. So <laughs> and those are your like, friends, right, Bodie? <laughs> yeah, these are my friends. But you have people who are just stupid and who are just going to do it because they, they think that that's funny. And then you have people who have real ill intent, whether that's like in Europe, they were for a while there, they were like burning Teslas, like lots of them. Uh, catch, for whatever reason, political reasons or whatever, they were just lighting them on fire or they were, you know, yeah, tagging I, them with spray paint. Like a big widespread problem, though, Bodie. That, I mean, yeah. well, and it's also um, a problem of body design. Watch versus, on YouTube. You know, versus electric vehicle. It's not the electric vehicle that makes them burn a Tesla. It's I see that as a symbol of the man or capitalism mm-hmm. or right. tech bros or, or whatever they're projecting onto it. So, you know, bad news for Rod and Allison, I guess. But Howard's over there sitting pretty like nobody's no. taking it out on <laughs> yeah. Kona's. It's actually not bad for us. 
because we, we have sentry mode in the vehicle. So you're getting mm-hmm. all the recording that's going around the vehicle, what's going on. So that's one nice thing is it's like another – it's a free security system Tesla gave all their owners because of all the cameras around the vehicle. lots of cameras. Lots so the, and lots of cameras. And the other thing that you typically will do in your vehicle, if you're going to be in an unsavory neighborhood, pin to drive. But like anybody who has an electric vehicle, you know that when some, if someone's driving your vehicle, I can see how fast it's going. I know exactly where it's at. And you're going to have to disable all that if you're taking the vehicle. Um, it's not saying that they can't. Um, I imagine anybody can grab a vehicle and disable that stuff if you want to figure it out quickly. But um, you do have all that, a couple other things going for you. And I think knowing that you're walking up to a vehicle with cameras all around it, uh, Bodhi can rest assured that if someone's hitting his uh, window with rocks or something like that, at least he'll have video of who they were so he can go talk to them. Sure. I think the, statistically, the the uh, most stolen car in America a few years ago was uh, was the uh, Honda Accord. You know why? Because the most the biggest selling car in America was the Honda Accord. So the most likely car to get stolen is the one there's the most of because then there's parts uh, parts are what you need for it. Yeah, oh, they're yeah, also I taking think, the chips out of them too. You know, I Which think the other thing take the chips you know, out of that because there's a lot of them, right? Yeah, yeah. They, think about Allison's article. Cattle. And in her article that talks about what the car doesn't have, if you want to chop up an electric car for parts, what are you going to get? There is nothing to chop up. A battery? Up. It, you're going to get the battery. That's pretty much <laughs> the, the only thing you'd be stealing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, the big, that's the big ticket item. And it is hard to get a battery out of those cars. And it's well, pretty heavy. The, and very heavy. That, yeah, that won't stop it if it's got enough profit purpose. motive, though. It's just a matter. It's True. always a matter of difficulty when you're talking about security. Before we wrap this up, uh, let's let's go around the horn. Who do you think I, I almost don't want to ask it as who do you think should get an electric vehicle? Because I feel like you're all just going to say everybody. Is there anybody who should not get an electric vehicle or it's not right for uh, Rod? We'll start with you. Uh so I think if you're if you are a seriously heavy driver, uh, and I'm talking someone who's probably doing like, you know, three four hundred miles every two or three days, um, or actually I would probably say three or four hundred miles a day in driving, it may not be because you're just not going to want to make the extra stops until we can get range like around five hundred mile batteries. I think, but for the ninety percent use case, which is most people, I think an electric car. Even if it's not your your primary driver, as Bodhi was recommending, like it, as your secondary car, that the one I drive to work or to the store, they're just it's it's so much easier, so much more cost efficient for you to have them. I, I think most people can't really come up with a valid use case not to have it. Or if you're towing, like if you're a person who's like I'm towing a boat every time I go uh, to the lake, it's probably not for you. But outside of that, I, I there's very it's edge cases that you're dealing with. Allison. I I would add to that kind of answer. If you're the kind of person who likes to drive without stopping, you're one of those people who goes, yeah, I drove 18 straight hours. I stopped for three and a half minutes to pee. You know, that was it. <laughs> if you are that person, do not buy an electric vehicle because that is not your life. I argue with my friend Stephen Getz in Canada about this because he keeps timing how long it takes him to put gas in the car and, and get the kids in and out of the bathroom and his kid. And, and you know, Steve and I, man, we're perfectly happy to go into the Tesla supercharger. There's a really nice one on the way to Fresno where we stop and we have a mocha, you know, we play on the internet for a little while or maybe we watch some mash on the, uh, we can watch Netflix on the uh, big screen in the car. We have a little sandwich. We're perfectly happy doing that. But if you're that other person, you would actually hate this. Bodie. Uh, I'm going to echo what Rod and Allison said with a little uh, adding that, just go out and and look at the EVs and the t- maybe the Tesla isn't for you. Maybe you just don't even like Teslas. 
the Kona EV. Actually, Hyundai has the new Ionic 5 2022 Ionic 5. It is a beautiful car. It's got like when you're recharging, it's got like recliner seats in the front. Um, I mean, it, there there's lots of options out there and just go through your options and see what fits you and then, you know, test drive it and see what works. Yeah, no, never drive it. Don't drive it because you'll buy it. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Howard, what do you have to add? Um, I would just say if you have if you're in a family situation where there's two or more cars, one should be electric without even hesitating, because chances are the other car that you'll keep that's the non-electric car will be the one for that specialty use that might be, hey, when we all go out as a family and we're stuffing all the things in because we're going to go camping, sure, you can get all four people and lots of stuff and not worry about where you're going to park and charge. But for the one person who's going to work or running errands and stuff like that, if it's just one person in a car and you've got more than one car in the family, one of them's got to be electric, definitely. That's really good advice. Same, yeah. Well, thank you, everybody, uh, for sharing your experiences, your expertise with us today. This has been fabulous. Uh, Before we go, uh, let everybody know where they can find out more of what you do. Allison Sheridan. Well, you can find everything I do at podfeet.com. I do technology geek podcasts with an ever so slight Apple bias. Rod Simmons. You can reach me over at the SMR podcast, smrpodcast.com, or you can reach me on Twitter at Rod Simmons. Bodie Graham. Um, I just searched kilowatt podcast. You'll see a red background with a cyber truck on the logo. And I'm really happy this week or excuse me, this month, Jessica Kirsch from youtube.com for us. Jessica Kirsch agreed to come on and be a co-host once a month. And hopefully we're going to turn that into something more. So I don't have to do it by myself. I get to do it with somebody else. Excellent. Congrats, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Howard Yermish. Well, you could just go to howardyermish.com or follow me on Twitter at H Y E R M I S H or whatever Twitter is. H your Twitter is fine. <laughs> Sarah, are you going to go out and buy an electric car now? I kind of want to. Uh, <laughs> I've got another year on my lease of my Volvo, which I love very much, but there are some EV options uh, in that realm as well. So yes, definitely uh, have some stuff to think about and boy, the cost savings. I paid 70 bucks to fill up my gas tank yesterday and Wish it wasn't that much. <laughs> I think really Otis nice. would really like a Model Y. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he I think he would too. He, he seems like an Y-Y. EV kind of dog. Yeah. yeah. Otis just... Otis might want a Volvo XC40 recharge. Yeah. That well, so that's Ooh, my that's my yeah. green car. Howard that's, knows how to sell Sarah. That's yeah, yeah. You're speaking my language right now. But uh, yes, thank you to all of you for for being with us. It was. Really, really helpful, educational, and just kind of good to know what what to keep in mind for folks who are either already in the EV world or uh, wanting to get into the EV world. If you want to check out Daily Tech News Show, we are live Monday through Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 20.30 UTC. You can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Join us if you can. And it's been so great talking to our panel of guests today. We will talk to all of you very soon. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.